Folks, it's time for What's Your Game? Welcome to What's Your Game? Thanks for finding us. I'm Oscar Zodkevich, and I hope you stick around because today... You have $15 for this PS2 library, corrections, Jet Force Gemini, but first, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Is this game going to be good? Is this game really going to be good? Because I think it might be. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, for those of you who don't know, it's, uh, it's a fighter game. It's somewhat similar to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, though, granted, if you ask them, there are plenty of minor differences that make it quite different. Uh, we'll get more into that later, but it's coming out in under a month, actually just a couple of weeks now, October 5th. All systems, well, you know, PS4, PS5, both Xboxes, Switch, and PC, and it is filled to the brim with Nickelodeon characters it's going to launch with 20 characters most of whom at this point are leaked or announced formally it is a pretty diverse uh roster of characters from nickelodeon super smash brothers clone ish i think it's pretty fair to say that and i don't think you know when you look at it in that context i'm not super learned in super smash brothers clones but I think there's a natural inclination to write stuff like this off. You know, I I don't know if that's fair necessarily, but I know like PlayStation tried their hand at the sort of Super Smash Brothers clone. And I think some people seem to like it. I never played it. I didn't hear a ton about it. So I assume it didn't do super well, but I think probably the biggest difference. And then then I'm sure there have been other ones as well. I, I don't know names of other clones off the top of my head. I've seen some stuff I've seen some footage of stuff like I know Alpharad had that one video he did where he was supposed to like promote some Smash Bros clone. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it. It's not really important. But the point is, I think it's understandable to want to write off these games because how much better is it really going to be than Smash for a significantly smaller user base? I'm sure there are clones out there that are better than Smash. But is it worth it? Is it worth trying to like join into this community that's pretty small and like convince people to play this game when there's already like a huge group of people playing the game that this one is clearly derived from? I don't know. So I think it's easy to write a game like this off. However, I think one of the biggest drawbacks to a clone of Super Smash Brothers is the character roster, right? I mean, if you're a clone that you're not derived from other content, you know, you're kind of just up the creek without a paddle on that. But, you know, even something like PlayStation, I think it's, what is it, PlayStation All-Stars or something like that, whatever the PlayStation version of this is, like, I'm, I've heard pretty good things mechanically about the game. I haven't heard people complain you know, about the the weight of the game, uh, like the meta or anything like that. I haven't seen anything like that, though granted I don't know a ton about it, but it seems like people just aren't 
really didn't really connect with it that much. It wasn't something that people grabbed onto. And I think part of that is probably because, you know, PlayStation has a ton of games. It has a really, really long history. I mean, this the entire, you know, the PSX all the way up to, to now. They have this huge library of games, but there's so many games. There was so much software on those systems that it's 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 a pretty high likelihood that people were just playing a lot of games. If you had a PS2 and someone else had a PS2, you might not have been playing the same games. You might have had completely different games. Whereas something with like N64, there's like 300 games in its library. So obviously all the crap is going to get filtered out. And most people are going to be playing the, the same top games, the same AAA titles, and those same sort of bigger indie games. So I think with something like PlayStation, like that's a roster that's good. It's not like it has, it's not like it doesn't have notable characters or anything like that. It's just how much do people connect with them, right? Whereas these the Nintendo franchises have all of these super notable characters that people are instantly going to want to pick up and play with because they have memories with them. You know what I mean? Every So many people can connect with these sort of games. I mean, I think it's it's kind of like, you know, people get really upset about the number of Fire Emblem characters in Smash. And like, granted, I've never played Fire Emblem, so I guess I'm one of those people. But it's like, is that just because it's not Mario? <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not Zelda. So not as many people have played it. So that noise sort of filters towards the top. Like, it's not like it's super disproportionate especially anymore, but that's a complaint that you hear. And I think the character roster is just really important for a game like this. And we've seen it with Smash as well. That's why there's 80,000 characters in Smash Ultimate. So with Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, this game comes in with a character roster that is bananas. It is the exact same sort of nostalgia that comes with Super Smash Brothers right? The same sort of connection. And it seems like Ludosity, the creators of this game, definitely knew that. Definitely, definitely knew that. And here's why. The roster for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl is so old. <laughs> I, I was going through it and I, I was, I kept telling myself, I was like, this is crazy. Like some of these are from some of these shows that are referenced and used are even kind of before my time. Like I was super young when they were coming out or I didn't even, you know, I, I wasn't even the, I wasn't even old enough to be like the prime demographic yet. But of the shows that are represented, it looks like there's 13 of them. There was only one that I didn't know and that was The Loud House I'd never heard of that show which I looked it up apparently it's newer which makes sense because I don't watch children's shows anymore but every single other one I was like yeah no like I know this show and then I think the second most recent is probably Legend of Korra but that even that show is tied to you know a show that ended in like 2007 so it's like these shows are all pretty old which seems a little bit odd right 
you know, they're going to make this Nickelodeon game. Yeah, it's a fighting game, but obviously there's a good portion of younger players of something like Smash Ultimate. So it's not like, you know, it's not like it's too complex or anything like that for children. Yet the characters are pretty skewed to favor an older audience. That's interesting to me, and it leads me to believe that they understand what can make, or at least what can sell, a fighting game. Because if people can relate to the characters, they really want that character. Look, here's the deal. I don't buy any, I have not bought any of the DLC for Smash Ultimate. I don't really care. I'm not even good enough with the characters that I have at hand. I don't play competitively. It's not important to me. I don't get the characters. But I can tell you, without a doubt, that if I could pick one character to have out of any of the DLC characters, you know who it would be? It'd be Banjo-Kazooie. Not Joker, not Sephiroth, not Pyra and Mithra, even though they're all probably better in the meta or whatever. I don't know. I could be just talking out of my butt here, but I'd pick Banjo-Kazooie because you know what? I played Banjo-Kazooie as a kid, and that's a character I'd like to use. And I think Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl seems to have a pretty good handle on that idea. I don't know how many of these characters are officially released. I know there was a leak of the character roster because the cover art leaked onto the eShop, the Nintendo eShop. But we're talking the Wild Thornberries, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, Invader Zim, Hey Arnold, Cat Dog. You know, there's like Danny Phantom, I think is a little more modern. Avatar and Korra, like we talked about. Um, I mean, I guess SpongeBob is kind of the uh, SpongeBob's kind of the aberration here because you know SpongeBob's been on for so long, so it applies to both audiences, which is probably why it has the most number of characters. I guess alongside TMNT, but and again, it's the same sort of thing. Like TMNT's never died, so that kind of makes a lot of sense. But it's just shocking. I, I like the Wild Thornberries is not a show that I ever thought would get represented in a game like this. Maybe Rugrats because Rugrats was so big. But that's a that's an old show. Invader Zim. It's a cult show, right? It's it's a pretty niche audience there. You know, even Hey Arnold. I, I don't know. It's just I, I was surprised to see the full roster, and when I sort of finally took it in, I was like, wow. They're going for an older audience here. They're clearly trying to appeal to people who watch these shows as a kid. And look, I don't think that makes it a better game necessarily. If the game functions poorly and there aren't good modes and it it the pacing is bad or whatever, obviously that doesn't make up for the good game, but it's certainly going to sell the game. That's for sure. <laughs> I can tell you that much. There are... Also, a lot of features about the game that I think are kind of worth using to judge this game prematurely, which, you know, you don't really want to do, but like, you know, I mean, the game's 50 bucks. If it's not going to be as good as Smash Ultimate, like, do I really want to buy it? Probably not. So, uh, you know, I want to be getting something worth my money. If, if, if nothing else, I want it to be playable enough that I can enjoy using these characters, right? So one of the biggest things is it is using uh, rollback netcode for online play, 
Now, look, I'm not even going to pretend to know how this works or what this means. I remember I watched a video. There's a really good video on YouTube about rollback netcode, and I I can't think of who made it, so I apologize for that. But you'll probably be able to find it. It really, really explains rollback netcode and why it's so important for fighting games, uh, and it does it, it does it super well. But point is, point in case is, it's good for online play. It is good for fighting games. Competitive players like it a lot. So it's, again, children, kids that might be still watching Nickelodeon, they probably don't care that much about rollback netcode. And they probably don't care so much about, like, the wild thornberries. But I think Ludosity knows what they're doing here. I think they know who they're trying to get with this. Um, so a lot of the information that I've said, especially with the rollback netcode and the character roster and stuff, is from an interview that Joel Nystrom, who is the CEO of Ludosity, this company, did with John Carson of Game Informer. And that's online. This is from probably about a week ago. And there's a lot of good information that came out from that. Um, number one, they said that there are no live action characters in the lineup, and that probably isn't going to happen in the future. So, sorry, if you were really hoping to play as Amanda Bynes, you're out of luck there. One of the other things that they asked about was um, plans for DLC, um, characters and stages down the line is what they asked, what John Carson asked, and they confirmed 20 characters, two more following soon after is the direct quote, and then there's going to be more that come out or at least are planned uh, af- after that. So they're expecting this thing to do well enough to have DLC that they're confident enough to say that ahead of time. And I think it's reasonable, right? You're talking about big intellectual property here for a game style that people obviously really like. So it makes sense. One of the other things, though, that was, you know, I, I don't want to say disappointing because it's really just a minor quality of life thing is that the John Carson asked um, Joel Nystrom about the iconic voices attached to these characters and would they be in the game? Because, you know, you think of SpongeBob, you think of Tom Kenny. Well, that's not true. But if you heard Tom Kenny, you'd think of SpongeBob, right? And so he asked about that and the answer was pretty roundabout. Uh, he even said, quote, it is not as straightforward to do as one might think. They said they'll be, quote, reviewing all options. It sounds like a lot of speak for no. That's probably not going to happen, and it'd probably be too expensive. So, again, that's a minor quality of life thing. I don't really think it's a huge deal. It is something to keep note of. Because I think a game like this, if nothing else, maybe it's not as competitive. Maybe it doesn't have as big of a community around it as Smash. It won't, obviously. But the point is, like, at least there's some fun novelty to be had. And even when that novelty wears off, there's still enough of a game where you go like, oh, I still want to actually pick this up and play it. I think that's sort of the hope with a game like this. But I just keep reading about it. I keep seeing stuff come out about it. And I just keep getting the idea that this game is probably probably going to be pretty decent. Or at least they're going to try to make it decent for an audience that is a little bit older. And I think that that trickles down 
to younger audience as well. It obviously is going to help the game sell a little bit better. And I actually am kind of excited to see. I don't think it's going to be a day one purchase, but I really kind of think that this thing might have a little bit of traction. Also, I'm 100% going to be a Reptar main without a doubt. This is where most podcasts would have an ad break. Well, I couldn't get Microsoft on the phone, so for now, I run this operation off your support. Just by listening, you are doing just that, supporting me. So thank you. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and like the video. If you're on a podcasting or streaming service, you're welcome to give What's Your Game a rating. Be honest, though. I mean, five stars would be great, but am I worth it? Thank you sincerely for listening. I deeply appreciate it. All right, cutscene over. Okay, all-star brawl out of the way. We have to move on to this. This isn't even a news thing. It's old now. This happened like a month ago on Twitter. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help but bring it up because it came back up on my feed in some capacity. And it was, it was just too funny. It was, let's see, August 27th. So yeah, I mean, this is around a month ago. Um, at Oxgod underscore tweets out, you got $15. What PS2 games are you going with? It's one of those classic $5 tier, $4 tier, three, two, one. You pick enough games, pick as many games as you want. It's a super common sports thing that gets done all the time. I don't know how common it is in any other spheres, but it happens all the time in sports. And I say that because uh, this guy, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that he was a pretty big sports fan. (laughs) Because the $5 tier includes SmackDown, Shut Your Mouth, and NCAA Football 14. The $4 tier includes Madden 2003 and NBA Street Volume 2. While in the $1 tier, Simpsons Hit and Run, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and Spider-Man 2. (laughs) Okay, look. I actually found this interesting. The reason that I even wanted to talk about this in the first place, I'm not judging people. I know we, and, and you know what? We kind of talked about this with the all-star brawl, right? You had a PS2, you could have played, you could have had 10 different games and you had a friend and they didn't have any of the same games because there were so many of them. I get that. I'm not criticizing anybody for what kind of video games they play because of this, the Gaming community, I'm doing air quotes, but the gaming community likes to put a stranglehold. I don't want to say gatekeeps because that's not true, but they put a little stranglehold, you know, on what games are real games and what games are not real games. And I'll tell you, sports games, (laughs) I think you can guess which side of the coin those turn up on most of the time. Now, as a sports person myself, I like sports games. I've played them for a pretty long time. I've put like a month of game time into Madden 12. Uh, I was a psycho. But I also had a pretty decent collection of uh, of actual games too. 
See, you see, see what I just did? I just called them actual games. I'm getting sucked into the persona. No, I mean, I had a, I had a good collection of other games, fighting games and platformers and whatever, not just sports games, sports simulation games. I guess I should probably emphasize that sports simulation games, um, because, you know, it seems like most gamers can get behind like NBA jam, but then you talk about NBA 2k 21 and then they just groan. But I've been on both sides of this coin, and in a way, I kind of am on both sides of this coin. But I gotta say, ooh, did Ox God get ratioed or what? First of all, uh, I guess it's worth pointing out that NCAA Football 14 uh, was not on PlayStation 2. So, minor slip up there, but you know, I'm not gonna not gonna harp on that right yeah everyone makes mistakes kind of weird that he would think that though right because i mean this guy had to have made this kind of just off his own experience i assume like maybe a little bit of crowdsourcing from friends but like no one no one realized that ncaa football 14 wasn't on ps2 like if you're if you're going back through the memory banks, like, wouldn't you kind of, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to criticize his memory. I have a terrible memory, but whatever. It's okay. <sighs> Our Lord and Savior, John Cartwright, <laughs> pleasantly responded, why are all the good games in the $1 section? <laughs> Gotta say, he's kind of right. I just think the notion that Simpsons Hit and Run and Marvel vs. Capcom 2 are that much worse than SmackDown Shut Your Mouth and Madden 2003 like Madden 2003 alright look here sorry real gamers but uh, I'm gonna go into a little diatribe why 2003 why Madden 04 Madden 2004 had Michael Vick one of the most unstoppable sports video game characters of all time everyone talks about it all the time in these little channels and then Madden 2005 was, like, objectively better. I think Madden 05 had the, like, accuracy cone thing. That was sick. That was awesome. It actually, like, was... Tried to make it more realistic. It was so cool. It was great. We put Madden 2003 that much higher? Look, <laughs> I don't think it's a big deal. And you know what? People like what they like. And there are good games on here, like Kingdom Hearts, uh, Bully... Final Fantasy's on here. Uh, SSX, which is like a pretty good crossover. I feel like feel like real gamers tend to like SSX a little bit. Same with Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's Underground. And I think even NBA Street Volume 2 to, to a degree. I mean, I know I kind of I kind of got under my skin a little bit, but I think it's I think it's reasonable. I don't think it's that outrageous. But whatever. I'm not gonna kill at Oxcod underscore here, but I just thought it was funny. It came, it came up. I felt like I'm, I was trying to defend myself against myself. I was like, oh yeah, like Madden. I love Madden. But then it's like, what? Like, why is NBA Live 03 the same as, you know, worse than whatever? I don't know. But <laughs> it took it a step further when ESPN, about a week later, Came out with a tweet that said, no easy decisions here. Now this one, as you might have guessed because it was ESPN, is all sports games. And it's the same $5, $4, $3, $2, $1. And it's all sports games. But it happened again with ESPN. Okay, 
even if you're a sports fan, following ESPN on Twitter is worthless because if you go into the comments section, you're done. It's it's worthless or replies, I guess, on Twitter. It's worthless. All you get is people talking about how LeBron's a fraud and Russell Westbrook's the greatest and I don't know, whatever. It's it's worthless. It doesn't even have to have anything to do with the tweet at hand, but I digress. This tier list, let me read you off every game from the $5 section. Madden 2004, NBA 2K11, FIFA 13, NCAA 14, NCAA Football 14, NBA Street Volume 2. Okay. Now let me read you the $1 section. Wii Sports, Backyard Baseball, NBA Live 2003, so, or 2005, I don't know, whatever. That one, unimportant. ESPN NFL 2K5, and Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Now, I'm not even going to read you numbers four, uh, dollar amounts four, three, and two, but if you're thinking that, hey, maybe a lot of really classic good sports games are not going to be on this list... Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably, probably right. Punch-Out's not on here. Tecmo Bowl. Mario Super Sluggers. But NFL Street 2 is in the $4 category. NBA Jam is $2. NFL Blitz, which, by the way, they used, like, the old... Or, I'm sorry, like, the new version of NFL Blitz, which, like, sucked uh, as the cover art. $2. I guess if it's that version of the game, sure. But the original versions on like N64 era. Ooh. Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004. What? <laughs> it just made me laugh. But the irony here is that this one didn't get ratioed. Oxcod got killed. Maybe a lot of it was because of the NCAA football 14 thing. But Oxcod got killed, but ESPN didn't get killed. So I wonder, did the real gamers get a hold of Oxcod because of John Cartwright or because of other outside forces and they didn't get a hold of this because it's on the ESPN count? I don't know, but it seems a little bit strange to me because this one's not a whole lot better. (laughs) Super Mario Strikers is $2. I don't think any person that has played a video game before, like even the ones who only play sports games and Call of Duty, even if you're one of those people, if you played Strikers, you'd love it. I know people like that. They don't play other video games other than sports games, but they like Super Mario Strikers. It's just interesting that this one didn't get caught up in the, uh, the weird zeitgeist of being a fake fan of things. But I think the real, real moral to take away from this is that yeah there's a pretty serious divide here between uh the the sports gamers and the gamer gamers and you know what the overlap is rocket league for three (laughs) dollars all right let's move on to corrections from last week have a couple of things we'll start with the clerical stuff um i was talking about the nintendo switch lineup coming up heading into holiday season and coming out of holiday season in the new year kept saying hardware a lot. I obviously meant software. I thought that was pretty obvious, but at least worth saying. Um, and the other big thing that I said that I think was incorrect was 
Uh, I mentioned that new Pokemon Snap has over 2 million sales, and Joe Merrick reported that that's the most for a Pokemon spinoff. I think I just said that, period, Uh, which is not true. His actual reporting said that I believe it was since 2008, which was um, a mystery dungeon game. I'm not positive on that part, but it is not the most selling, highest selling spinoff ever. It's just in, uh, what, 13 years? However, the biggest correction I need to make is about basically the entire thing that I talked about to open last week's episode, the first ever episode, actually, and that was that I was very critical of WarioWare Get It Together. And since that time, the game has come out, and I've seen a lot of footage of people playing it and streaming it, (sighs) and I'll admit, I think I was wrong. I think it looks good. I think it looks like it has a lot of heart and emotion put into it. It seems really fun. People seem to be really enjoying the game. And one of the ways I can tell that is I actually went earlier today before I recorded this and I looked up the Metacritic scores for Mario Golf Super Rush, which I compared it to heavily, or at least I used that as sort of part of my reservations about buying WarioWare. But I looked up the Metacritic scores for that game and I looked up the Metacritic scores for WarioWare. They were pretty similar. I think Super Rush had a 70, but the user score was like 5.6. WarioWare, I think, was a 76, but the user score was around 8.7. And I think that's about the most indicative tell of any game, right? If critics are kind of willing to, okay, it's it's fine, right? Like with Super Rush, it's like, okay, it's fine. Core gameplay's fine. It's a little lacking. So sure, a 7 out of 10. But like the people who actually buy and are playing the game, they spend 60 bucks on this game. They're like, heck no, dude, this game stinks for 60 bucks. And that's why that score goes down. Whereas then there's WarioWare Get It Together. It's a little bit niche. They tried out some new stuff. It's maybe a little bit more complex. So critics kind of can say like, hey, it kind of takes, it goes away from, it takes away from some of the novelty of Get It Together. But now all these people who bought the game are like, yeah, like I bought this game for 50 bucks and I don't regret it at all. So I feel like that's sort of the epitome of this. And I, I just had to correct myself. I just, I think I was wrong. I don't know still if I personally will buy it just because it's a party game and it's kind of expensive and I don't play a lot of games with other people and, you know, I don't have anyone to play a multiplayer with. And I don't know, I just, you know, the playtime thing, I don't, whatever. So I don't know that I'll buy it, but I very much do think I was wrong. I think my reservations were very unfair. And I'm happy about that. I'm happy to admit I'm being wrong. I'm wrong on that because, look, I don't want a whole bunch of like C plus games, right? You know, I mean, Nintendo has some of the best, best intellectual property in the world. So I want that to be put to good use. And I want to see that in good games. And I think WarioWare Get It Together is a good game. I think I was unfair. And so I had to correct myself on that. Okay, last piece for today. A game I have not played in a little bit, but I picked it up again probably about a month ago. And I just sort of have played it in small bursts, but I've really, really enjoyed it. And I was kind of surprised that I am. We're talking about Jet Force Gemini on 
Nintendo 64. This is a game that, to my understanding, was received fine enough. I don't think it blew the doors down on anyone, but it wasn't wasn't bad, right? It's made by Rare. It is a third-person shooter, I guess you'd call it. Actually, that's definitely what you'd call it. On Nintendo 64, and I gotta tell you, I wasn't really expecting to love it that much. This is a game that I had as a kid. I eventually sold it, but I just kind of wanted it back. I thought, you know what? I I remember having it. I think it'd be something cool to have in my collection. I wasn't really expecting to want to play it a ton, but, you know, maybe I'd give it a shot and whatever. Well, I, I, I picked it up and I started playing it, and this game is insanely fun and so, so cool. It is very, very, very interesting. And I don't know that I can say this for certain, but it it seems unique to its time. I can't think of any other game like this one in that era. It is a third-person shooter, but it is not cookie-cutter at all. Not that there was really a cookie to be cut from, but a, a cookie... Okay, a jumbled metaphor aside, it doesn't feel samey to anything that I can think of from the time, and it definitely doesn't feel like samey with anything since. It's a space exploration. Well, not literally. I mean, you land, you're in stages, whatever, but it's it's got the sci-fi elements, and the biggest thing is how cinematic it is. The the music, it fits the tone. You can play the game in widescreen. It has these big cutscenes. It has dialogue. It wants you to connect with the characters. You can use multiple characters in this game. So you you get this sort of A plot, B plot sort of thing that comes together. And it has this level of immersion that I find really interesting because it's not immersive in that you feel like you're the one in the game right and that's such a cliche but my point is that it's not one of those things where it's trying to say like hey you're the one with the plasma beam pistol okay that's you it's not trying to do that what it's trying to do is it's trying to make you feel like you're watching and controlling a movie which might sound a little bit weird but like at the end of the day how many video games really do that I feel like Last of Us is a good example of a game where, you know, yeah, you're playing a video game, but you're invested in sort of the story and the actions feel like not too predetermined, but predetermined enough that like you just get to influence them. So there's some level of connection there with the game that you don't get from, you know, like these big open sandbox games. It really feels like that with Jet Force Gemini. And it's it's such a great game. Oh, and it pains me to say this. It it couldn't it couldn't have waited a generation for a console that had two control sticks. Oh, it's the same problem that Goldeneye has, where you probably have fond memories of playing it, but then you actually pick it up to play, and you go, "Oh man, this is." This is just so antiquated. And it really is the same with Jet Force Gemini. It doesn't use... You can strafe 
Um, and you know what? They actually do a pretty good job with that because you can strafe pretty hard, like quickly. So you don't get bogged down too much, but in sections where you got to move around tightly, there's some little platforming sections. The control is just kind of messy. You know, it's, it's not really a full directional thing. It kind of does the thing where, uh, it's going to direct you straight and you can do light turns. Um, but you can't just like turn hard one way because that's sort of how you aim your reticle and it's a little bit finicky i think the jumping and movements a little touch and go but it's just such a shame because if that's a game with two control sticks like that just doesn't happen that that's that's just a problem that's instantly fixed but of course it comes out on nintendo 64 which as we know does not so they did the best with what they could but it's just been a really enjoyable experience I wasn't expecting to have nearly as much fun as I thought I was going to have. And I'm, you know, at the end of the day, isn't that kind of the point? Is it the best game in the world? No. But like, I'm enjoying playing through it. It's got great music. It's got great atmosphere. The writing's pretty funny, but not like too goofy funny. Like sometimes I think Rare kind of gets to. It's like, you know, little jokes here and there. It's just been a classically nice experience you ever watch a tv show and then you're done watching it and you're like yeah the show was good i won't ever think about it again and maybe i'll watch the next season when it comes out but other than that it's just gonna kind of let it be there i think that's jet force gemini and i think it even probably does a little bit better than that because it does so many things really really well especially for how old the game is you know, and graphic, graphically, it looks nice. It's, you know, it's it's a well-put-together game. It's just, man, if only it had two control sticks. If you get a chance, you should pick it up and give it a shot. I really think that most people would really enjoy it just the same way I am right now. But if that's not your game, well, I'll try to do better next week. But for now, I got to go. I'm Oscar Zadkevich. This is the What's Your Game podcast, and you are the ones that make the show run. Don't forget to rate us, like us, and subscribe to us. And until next time, have fun, folks.